0: So, what is your last name, by the way? Wigington. All right, Bo Wigington. Bo Wigington, also known as Bo James. Bo James, also known as Chuck Mountain. Chuck Mountain <laughs> is the the name I'm familiar with. So yeah, uh. uh, yeah, well, like music, I went by Bo James just because nobody could spell Wigington. Like I was living in L.A. and I worked at this place called called the Complete Actors Place, and it was like a it was an acting studio, but they had music there. And the guy that was the owner, he was just like, you need to change your name to just get rid of Wigginton. Just go Bo James. Mm. And I was like, all
1: right. So I did it. And now I confuse people all the time. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of that. Like, it, it's I think a lot more common for actors to change their last names, yeah. isn't it, than than musicians? Well,
0: like SAG. So like, say you want to go join the Screen Actors Guild or like Actors', actors Equity, um, you if there's someone with your same name, you have to change it. Mm. Like one of my, I went to UNCG for acting, and one of my friends joined the actors Actors Equity Union, and his name was T J Austin, and he had to change it to like T J Austin or something, mm. like just change it a little bit because there was
1: already somebody with the same name out there. I just uh, saw an interview recently with Willem Defoe, who apparently has been just letting everyone mispronounce his name all this time. And he made it sound like it was just somebody started with a mistake, and he just rolled with it. But I would think it was something more like that. I would think it would be like, (laughs) you know, he had to go by a different name.
0: Yeah. Well, there was, like, when I was in high school, I got a job at Red Lobster, and Mm. they called me, and, like, I was in a movie, and they called me, and they're like, is this Bean? And I was like, yeah. You know, I, I popped out. They're like, we want to bring you in for an interview. I was like, okay, cool. Went in, interviewed, got the job, came in the first day, and they had my name tag, and it said Bean. Bean. Because they thought my U was an N. And I was like, yeah, no, my name's Bo. And they're like, oh, well, we can't change it. <laughs> like, we're, that's just what it's going to be. And I was like, okay, cool. So I was Bean for quite some time. That's
1: kind of an awesome name. Yeah, Bean. Bean Wigginton. My grandfather's name was henry vestal nail and his uh, his 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 name was henry vestal nail jr but his father's name was uh, at the end of his life was vestal henry nail so there was no henry vestal nail senior all of this because i think when he was in the military or something the story was they put his name on a document backwards and it just was the easiest for him to just go by a different name yeah. instead of having to go through the paperwork of updating his name it's paperwork it'll scare people (laughs) off you know yeah especially in like the 1940s I guess yeah
0: yeah it's like my grandpa his name was William Roy Wigginton, but everybody called him Pete and nobody knew why yeah they were just like the name's Pete because like everybody all the like my dad's name's William his name was William my great uncle was William there's a bunch of Williams in my family
1: that was like a thing in that generation. My yeah. grand, like I said, his name was was Henry Vestal Nail, his but his family called him Tommy, and which there's no overlap at all between yeah. those names and all of his sisters and stuff. That was it was the same thing, and some of them would be name me like some of them would be her name would be Harriet, but they'd call her Mary. But some of it would be like her name was Sarah. And they called her Tote Bag or something. <laughs> and it's like, what, are, what? What are these names? Doesn't make much sense all no. the time. <laughs> cool generation, though. Yeah. So, okay. So you went to school for acting. Yep. You're, are you from here? I'm from
0: Colorado originally. how'd um, you end up here? My dad, um, he worked for Siemens Medical Solutions. and Oh, Wait. Down in Raleigh. Okay. Um, so we got moved out here in uh, 2004, I think, and uh, finished up high school down there, and then went to UNCG, and like I was gonna go for music, but then I got in their like BFA acting program. And they only take 12 people a year, so it's like if you get in, you got to do it. And so I got in, and like by the second year, I started a band, and I was like yeah, I don't want to do acting, but I'll just finish it out. So I took all kinds of courses that my dad was just like, why are you taking hat making? And I was like, I want to learn how to make hats. (laughs) You know, it's like did puppetry hat making did a lot of African dance classes. Really? in the performance program, you have to take, um, a certain amount of dance classes. And I tried ballet, tried jazz. And I was like, African, (laughs) African dance is going to be the way I go. So I did like three, Three years of African dance, and it was so much fun. It was was a workout. But then I just, like, I just wanted to pursue music. And when I, like, graduated college, moved right out to L.A. and just hit the ground running out there, just working a bunch of different jobs. And then I ended up getting a job as a music consultant, which I would made, like, the playlist for, like, Hotels, restaurants, like casinos, like all the background music you hear. Mm. I was the guy making those playlists. Interesting. And it was really cool because that, that got me into the licensing world because I had a client, Pinkberry. Um, it's like big frozen yogurt chain. And they always wanted like, they wanted new music. So I had to learn like licensing music for background music. And then that got me into the licensing like, music for film and TV, because, like, I was starting meeting, like, supervisors and directors and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, like, LA was cool. It was just, like, super expensive. You're always in the car, and you got a... Got the Sunset Strip that's really cool to play, but you got to sell those tickets. Yeah. But, yeah, it was... It was cool. And then the band I was in out there, we moved to Nashville, and then Nashville, like... Everybody started getting more work. So I went, I was in like a rock band and switched into just doing more Americana singer songwriter stuff as Bo James. And then, um, then moved out here, started Chuck Mountain, which was like one of my old, uh, nicknames out in Nashville. Chuck Mountain? Chuck Mountain. Hmm. It was, I, have you ever been to the basement? I don't think so. Um, so in Nashville, you mean? Yeah. I don't think so. So there's a, a venue called The Basement, and have you ever heard of Grimy's record store? Maybe. It's in The Basement, so it's, like, underneath it. And I was working there as a bartender, and, like, started off on the door, and, like, they had this event where there was a bunch of, like, kids at, because it was some, like, younger singer doing, like, an in-store um, performance. Mm-hmm. And and so it let out, and there was, like, all these, like, high school kids, and the owner was like, hey, don't let any of these kids in. You know, no one under 21 coming in. I was like, oh, I'll chuck them out. And he was like, Chuck Mountain, <laughs> that's a really good name. <laughs> that's your nickname now. And I was like, okay. So we just rolled with it. Chuck Mountain. Chuck Mountain, man. So that's where it came from. Came yeah. from. Yeah. it's It's been around, and everyone's always like, what is this name? You know? Yeah. And it's been very hard trying to kind of figure out a brand for it because I automatically start thinking mountain-esque things, you know, it's like, I want it to be like, Oh, we're going to summer camp and, or Mm -hmm. we're going hiking, you know, and then people hear the music and they're like, this does not match. And it's like, it's been a very interesting branding
1: journey, but we're still not there. Hmm. (laughs) Well, I have a lot of, there's a lot of things that I want to talk about. I want to I make sure we talk about, I want to learn a little bit about life in LA and in, like what you did in, out on the West coast. Uh, I want to talk about Nashville, but the first thing I notice as we get to know each other is, and this might sound a little strange, but like I, identity is kind of an interest of mine. And just from getting to know you, you seem like kind of a, this might be the Colorado in you. I'm not sure, but you seem like a Southern guy, kind of normal. You got, I see you got some tattoos on your arms and I, I often feel like uh what like actors actors I often don't think of as like uh wearing camouflage hats and like having yeah. cool tattoos <laughs> and stuff. I think sometimes they're a lot more like, Oh, I have to like look this way. I have to look this this other thing. Yeah. That's the first thing I notice and, and plus you have a beard and you're into music. So yeah. ha- what has that identity conflict
0: been like, I guess? Well, uh when i was in acting school i got my first well i got my first tattoo when i was in high school but it was on my butt mm. um so you don't see it uh, but uh i got one like up here on my arm and my voice teacher was just like well you just ruined your career mm. you know <laughs> So like, and so like then i started getting more and more tattoos you know and there's like yep, I guess you don't want to be an actor, you know, because uh, they're like, don't get any tattoos. You'll have to cover it. Like, because if you're an actor, they want to have like a blank, blank slate to work with, you mm-hmm. know. But these days, like tattoos are way more, way more acceptable. Yeah. You know? It's like, and it, it's weird to think back like 10, 15 years ago, it was like pretty edgy still. But now it's just like, everybody's got tattoos. tattoo. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, the identity thing. I don't know. I've been in so many different places that it's just, I've I've been a hard one to nail down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it it definitely is a weird. I I'm very ADHD, and my passions in life is like it's like one day, I like right now what I'm doing is like I weld, I bartend. I'm in Chuck Mountain. We are shooting like a brew, beer review show. And then I do these videos for com and do like welding for companies around town. And mm-hmm. it's just like every day there's something new I'm working on. And <laughs> yeah. I love it, you know, but people are like, you're crazy. I don't know how you do it. And I don't know either, but it just, it keeps me more sane having too much to do than having nothing to do.
1: I'm in a very similar boat right now, uh, though, I don't know how how much more I can. I don't know how long I can can sustain exactly what I'm doing, but I'm doing like a full time gig, another gig that's like pretty not overly demanding, and it's a little bit more. I would, it's a little easier going and more enjoyable, kind of to a degree, because it's just less physical. And then uh, and then I've got the podcast, and then I've got shows starting to go on. So it's just like it, it and all this basically i had two years of being bored out of my mind yeah and now i'm like i'm spread so thin yeah is that what uh before covid or whatever like is this kind of a new thing that you've got all this shit going on
0: it's pretty new i mean before covid but it was funny because like right before the uh, october before covid happened i quit like i was working at a uh, bar down in Greensboro like me and my wife both were and I quit to like do just music full-time again and I was just gigging all the time built up a big old like schedule worth of shows and was planning on moving back to Nashville in March of 2020 and so we were getting prepared to go and like start checking out places and tornado hit East Nashville Mm, yeah and that's where we were gonna go and so um so we are like, well, maybe we'll hold off, you know, it's like, we'll hold off until it kind of like chills out. Cause I had a bunch of friends there that like were homeless, you know, cause a tornado destroyed it. Yeah, <laughs> And then That's two weeks later, COVID hit and like mm. everything shut down and it was like, well, I guess it was a good thing we didn't move out there right away, you know? Yeah. But, God. but I was very, I mean, I was just focused on one thing before and then like just going insane being at the house and trying to
1: do did you do twitch or like online streaming during covid i did not i watched it a lot and yeah. i decided to avoid it yeah. i i you know i i mean that time period is what inspired what i'm doing and we talked before or, or as i mentioned when we were like when you were texting i want i still want to do kind of like i want to do a high quality version of something that's like online streaming. Cause I think it's a cool market, but yeah. I hated, I hated it all. <laughs> yeah. hated, like it was so bad to like watch it through phones, you know, yeah, I, it just wasn't, it wasn't the ideal yeah. setup.
0: I thought. Yeah. I had, one of my, like my old roommate in Nashville, he was doing full-time streaming like when I still lived there. And so like when COVID hit and everything was like moving on, Online he like helped me set up channel like get get rolling and I was doing it like five days a week for mm. like two or three hours at a time, and I just couldn't stand it. I yeah. was like like, trying to keep up with chats and, like, requests, and there's just too many bells and whistles. I was like, I just miss playing, like, just being able to play a song. Yeah. And afterwards, people are like, yeah. It's like, (laughs) instead, it's like, oh, hey, thanks for stopping in. What's up? And and then you, like, try to, like, remember the lyrics that you're trying to sing all at the same time.
1: Yeah. I'm impressed by people that can do it, you know? It's like, but that ain't me. I don't think it's the right... Uh, I mean I'm not judging people who do it Like and if if people can figure out how to do it And it works then more power to you Because it does seem like more and more That's the path that a lot of people are following Necessarily and and It's fine that they're doing that especially With streaming fucking so many people Out of money but uh, I don't often feel like it's the avenue For music really I I feel like it's it makes a lot of sense For YouTube culture for like personalities And for listening to people just bitch and be be cynical about life but yeah. it's not how i think to to experience music the only thing i if you could figure out you know snarky puppy is yeah the, those videos that they make when they have like a live audience in the room yeah. with them as they do their thing if i could watch that live i would but yeah otherwise I, I like just watching basically feeling like i'm at an open mic or something yeah. it just doesn't speak to me and i and I, I assume that if I did it It wouldn't speak to people either Yeah. Well there was like
0: some channels That they really crushed it You know mm-hmm. It's like because Part of like being on Twitch Is you have to go and Support other people So they'll support you back You know it's like Oh is it's, that a thing? Yeah yeah You gotta like You go through And like there's this one guy I don't remember his name but he was – I loved his setup because, like, it looked like he was in, like, a gypsy tent, and he just, like, sat there and played songs. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't even talk to people. Like, I was like, this guy knows what's up, yeah. you know? It's like his production was, like, crushing it, had everything super dialed in. It just was really fun to listen to, but, like, he didn't care about comments. He would just, he would just sit there and play. That's and the way like, to be. I was like, that's what I need to do, you mm-hmm. know? But I had, like, a – I shared a fan base with my friend that had been um, streaming full time and they were very adamant on talking to you, you know, and yeah. I was like, and I wanted to give them that for like supporting me, you know, it's like, I'll, I'll chat with you. But then I just, it just got too much. And I yeah. was like, I'm done.
1: I'm just going to go to welding school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hear that. Yeah. I did think about Twitch for a minute, uh, when, cause I do have a Patreon mm-hmm. and I like the Patreon, but uh, like I don't, I don't know. I, I, I at one point, Twitch stream was like associated with one of my goals. Like if I reach a certain level of audience, then I'll start doing the streaming thing. Mm-hmm. And I haven't reached that level, and I think I might have even taken that goal off just because I don't think I know. I don't think I know what Twitch is well enough to even yeah. offer it as a thing. I don't yeah. understand the culture.
0: Yeah, it, it it's a lot more. Involved thing, you think, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, definitely. than I thought, I was like, oh, we're just gonna get on there and play, and people are gonna give me money, it'll be cool, you yeah. know. It's like, this would be a way I can support myself. And, and it was like, no, it's like you got to learn all these different raids and making little channel like giveaway, uh, like, you there's just so much badges that, and stuff, yeah, is badges, there there? badges, making mm-hmm. the badges, making your channel art like setting up different scenes and count ins. And it's like, I got really good at like setting stuff up and helped a whole bunch of other people set up stuff. But Mm. I was like, I'll set up anybody's like, if all you want me to do is set it up, I'm all about it. But if you want me to stream, not about it. Yeah. (laughs) So how long were you in LA for? I was in LA from like 2010 until 2013. Okay. So about four years and, um, it was pretty cool i mean i struggled the first couple years out there for sure just because it's so expensive and i was driving a truck that was like i had had for like 15 years and gas out there is pretty much what it is right out here now you know Mm. it's like that was just normal out there yeah and it just being in the car no matter where you went like how like i lived like six miles away from my job and it take me an hour and a half to get there. I was <laughs> Good <just> like, God. <laughs> man. This is so lame. Every day back and forth. And um it it was really cool. I liked the culture of of LA like the musicians once you started getting into like open mics and everything and meeting different people trying to make it out there, you know. It's mm-hmm. like there's like uh, different classes of people. There's like the people who've made it, there's the people trying to make it, and the people that are just there, you mm-hmm. know. It's like it's like you can there's more mu- more actors out there than musicians, but there's a bunch of musicians still.
1: Yeah, I get I get the feeling uh from a very limited knowledge, but you know, like it is still one of those places where if you're in the entertainment industry on a national scale it makes sense to live there even within music and yeah. therefore probably worth considering even for like like any anybody throughout the country that wants to be an actor they know to move to LA but uh you know some musicians think they want to live near Nashville some want to live maybe near New York but it seems like LA is to still one of those places for music too it, it's cool i mean there's like different
0: different vibes like playing around LA like I was in a band called the Heavy Heavy Hearts and we were like in your face rock and roll like blues rock you know and so we played there's our favorite spot was Harvell's it's like a blues club down in Santa Monica off of like 3rd Avenue or 4th Avenue I can't remember now but it was like this cool small like dark room red red leather like booths all around velvet paintings on the walls you know it was it was super cool Um, and then you go and play like the whiskey a go-go and it's just like, you got, you got to get on set up in 10 minutes, you play for 30 and then you have to be off stage in five minutes, you know, and it's just like, that's not as much fun, Mm. you know, but, and then we got really big into the biker culture. Like a bunch of my friends were in a biker club and they started getting us on like motorcycle runs. So we'd Mm. go and just like play like our favorite one. I played one at a bar that was in the middle of absolute nowhere Like there was no cell phone reception The bar was owned by the Devil's Disciples And it was just like This small little little bar And we played Like as soon as we rolled up People were like You gotta tell us Whose moonshine's the best And we're like They're like We all made moonshine You gotta try it mm. And I was like Okay And so we tried a bunch of moonshine And then Stumbled through one set And then sobered up For <laughs> the f- full band set And But like we would get in those. That's kind of where we moved into. It was like, we were doing venue shows and everything, but then we just moved into more just playing motorcycle events. Hmm. And that's a way different side of LA. You know, (laughs) it's like most people think like Hollywood and, you know, it's like, there's a big biker culture out there, Mm -hmm. like biker builders, like a bunch of custom builders out there. There's an event called born free that happens out there every year. And it's like, Builders from like all across the nation come out. It's like three days and you can just like, there's just like thousands of motors, like custom motorcycles that people come and bring to show off, you know? Hmm. And I like that side of of LA a lot more, but the other sides, it's just, you you get lost really easy out there. Like you can go down some dark holes, you
1: know? That's what I would imagine. So I I asked a dude, I asked a friend of mine a few we uh, i'm fascinated by what has happened with the uh the comedy scene in l a in particular mm-hmm. uh and the way that they've networked and 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 also the way that performance can work for comedians in l a and it based on what you were just saying, I wonder if there's similar networks in out there for music like uh like you know, a comedy club might have four or five people booked, but other people might be able to show up and hang out and still do sets throughout the night. And it's just one person in a microphone so they can jump up. Mm-hmm. Um, is there more like those places you were talking about playing? Is there more of a space out there that's capable of facilitating musicians in a spontaneous way where a bunch of musicians are able to kind of play uh, on a given night uh, at a certain club? There, okay, there's a place called The Federal
0: um, in North Hollywood that was a really cool bar, but they it, there's, like, open jams. There's, like, blues jams all over town, but that was one where you'd, like, go, and there would be just, like, rippers on that one, and then there's another place called The Baked Potato hmm. that was, like, a blues club, but they would have, like, an open jam, and you'd see, like, the drummer from Everclear was, like, there a lot, just, like, sitting in, playing with people, and like my old guitar player he was just really big on these open open jam nights because he he would go to them all and it, he was a phenomenal guitar player like I could I can't hang like that mm. like I can't go to an open jam and just be like yeah, yeah. I'm going to sing you guys know this one you know <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> cuz like back then I was like very anti covers I didn't want to learn anybody else's music because it would taint mine you know mm-hmm. and now I'm like that was so stupid you know but <laughs> this is like that's how you get better you know yeah. and get inspired but yeah that's the only thing I know of where people can get up and just kind of, it's kind of a spontaneous performance, but LA, when I was there, at least it was very like, there was a ton of events, but it's like, this is this event and these are the people playing and we're promoting this and there's no room, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it was very cold. Like LA was way cold and Nashville was warm. You know, it's like, it was a welcoming embrace. LA was like, Nope, Nope. If you, if, if, if you can't do anything for me don't don't talk to me. you mm-hmm. know
1: there's a lot of those moments, but yeah, so okay, you were there till like two thousand thirteen and then uh, did you say, did you say you lived in Vegas? no, okay, no, no, I worked
0: like so i I did music at the Monte Carlo like I did background music for mm-hmm. different places out there, it's so like the Monte Carlo, and then I think I did Caesar's like parts of Caesar's, and then I did there was a 24 hour restaurant that I don't remember which one it was, but they had a different playlist for every hour of the night. Mm. And it was just a nightmare to do because it was like making 24 playlists every month for them. Mm. But I was in Vegas quite a lot. We would go just do like 48 hour runs. Cause it was like five hours to drive out there. We just drive out party all weekend and then drive back and go to work and not sleep in like two days
1: i can't do that anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like those fuck days are that. gone yeah <laughs> nah fuck that yeah. uh, i have come to appreciate sleep so much more than i ever used to i
0: love sleep yeah i love sleep i don't get my, as much as i want to these days with like bartending at night oh yeah Is it, but i only bartend a couple nights a week but still it's like if i'm we work on like the band stuff we're we're shooting like two days a week like doing a live video doing a beer review show and then still practicing and we'll just be out like cuz my bass player bought the house right next to mine so he has a big old shed that we're turning into a studio nice. and so we're just, it's too easy to get together and work on stuff, so mm-hmm. we're always out there until like 11 or 12, and we're just like, we should go to bed, I guess, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, I got to get up and be be going at eight, so we should probably go get some sort of sleep. Yeah.
1: But, God, more in jobs. Yeah. yeah. Sons of bitches. I know. Uh, so did you move to Nashville in 2013? Yes. Yeah. October 26th. Remember the date. <laughs> Interesting. Why do you remember the date? I don't know.
0: I it was it was a very big like shift in life. Like we were getting out of LA because like I was doing bad on the alcohol side. Like I was getting very bad. Mm-hmm. And so we all decided, you know, it'd be better for us to be in in Nashville for like touring and we thought it's like our musical fit more there. So, let's all move, but it was also like a big move to like try to get me out of drinking as much as I was and then we moved to Nashville where everyone's a professional drinker anyway, you mm-hmm. know? So I was like, what? Um, but yeah, we moved out there. We moved into this. We found a place on Craigslist when I was living in LA and <laughs> one of our friends went and checked it out. They're like, yeah, it's cool. And like, we moved out into this place that was in Pegram, which is like West Nashville. And it's like just outside of Nashville limit. And it was like way up in the Hills And half of the house was insulated. Half of it wasn't because they had like built an addition and we didn't find that out until the winter. Mm. And we were like (laughs) sweet. Um, But yeah, all of us moved into the same house and it was super crazy because we'd always like go play and then invite everybody back to our house for bonfires and stuff. Yeah. It was a fun time in life, but it was definitely a crazy time in life. Yeah. But that's what your twenties are for.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I mean, that's, you know, yeah, you got to, take some risks and figure the shit out. Right? Yeah. So did you, so
0: did you live in Nashville for a while? I lived there until 2017. Okay. Then that's yeah. I lived out there for about four, four, almost five years too.
1: So, so was it helpful to your music career? Like, did you, did you, did yes. it accomplish what you hoped? Like, did you make some connections that you hoped you would or whatever?
0: I feel like I grew more as a musician being there. Like, I feel like, When I was living in L.A., it's like I thought I was good, you know, and then I moved to Nashville, and I found out I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Because you go out in every single bar, everyone's better than you, you Mm -hmm. know. So it makes you, like, work harder on crafting a better song, playing to, like, even just backing people up. It's like learning how to play to a song instead of just play on a song. You know, It's like the craft aspect of music that Nashville totally changed my world, you know. It's like I used to be in the school of like, can only write if I'm inspired, you know, inspiration has to hit and that's it, you know, and then moved out there and then learning the craft side where it's just like, okay, we need a song about pickles, you know, mm. it's like, and so I I write for a company called Songfinch. Um, which I'm on
1: Songfinch too.
0: You're on Songfinch? Yeah. Rob Rob's one of my, the guy that started it, he's one of my buds from LA. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Huh. Do you know Brian? Where where camp? He he was on the he was on the podcast a week ago. Brian was like their one of their first artists, or maybe their maybe number one, like their first artist that they ever uh, that ever joined it or whatever. I was but, right there with him, man. Yeah, he's uh, a <laughs> he's a Winston dude, and he's he's the one that he's how I learned about Songfinch. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah, I've, I tell everybody about it. I like especially like musicians, you know. It's like if you're trying to. Like when it first started out, it was way different, you know It's like now it's like a lot more streamlined But like it's it's been cool because like I've been I've been writing with them since I think like two, 2017 mm. is when he started it Because one of their A&R people reached out to me And I didn't know it was Rob's company until like they are like Yeah, we were interested in you like s- submitting a song for us And then I found out it was my buddy's company. And I reached out to him like, what's up, man? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) you got people trying to recruit me. It's like, (laughs) what's up? And like, just working with him for the past, I don't know, five, six years. Yeah. It's been a long time. But I took a break last year when I started welding. Like, I went to welding school and it was just like super hardcore. Yeah. So I took a break and I'm just about to come back. I'm revamping like all my stuff and. About to, like, my old roommate, he's doing, like, 20 songs a week.
1: And yeah. he's like, you need to get in and just start doing it. And I was like, all right. I mean, if if I could figure out how to do 20 songs a week, maybe I would do that. Because it's, it's, honestly, it's such a weird experience to do Song Finch, yes. man. Like, I don't know how it is for you, but every single time I read one of those submissions, I guess for people who aren't listening, or <laughs> for people who aren't aware, but who hopefully are listening, yeah. Song Finch being a service where people can order a customized song for a person uh, for an for an occasion or something. I had one last week that was like uh somebody's 1 year wedding anniversary and they were or they wanted to order a song for their husband and they were going to surprise him with it. So they provide a bunch of details about their life, about their their names and their what how they met and the story of their relationship. And then artists like us can take that story and interpret it And kind of take the cues of the mood That they want the song to be And create a song for them for some cash And it's a cool little service So I joined it probably about a year ago Every time I get a submission and read it Almost every time It it almost brings tears to my eyes Because yeah. it's just like For for more than a decade Songwriting for me has been all about myself And all about like what I think And my intellect and my poetry and stuff mm-hmm. And then to like take that part of me and put it into somebody else's sentiment and and their like appreciation for somebody makes me really fucking emotional for some yeah. reason. I'm just like I can't I can't not feel a lot from that. And then anytime I succe- successfully do it, I succeed at pr- like creating a song that actually somebody really loves, uh yeah, it just like I uh, it just is a really weirdly emotional experience for some reason, I guess, because it's like taking that Taking that craft and letting it not be about me for a little while. Letting yeah. it be about somebody else, you know?
0: Well, it definitely... Like, Songfinch is part of that craft, that change into the inspiration to craft, you know? It's yeah. like, it really developed that side of me where it's like, you know, it's like, I've had some really, really sentimental songs with them. I've had... Ones where they're like, yeah, we want a song about ghost pirates fighting a jeweled octopus and a majestic sea otter. Really? It's like I've had some weird (laughs) ones. Trippy,
1: trippy, unexpected.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just I've had some like super strange briefs and I've had some like just like really it's like, oh, man, I really hope these people like this because I like this story, you know, and you just learn a lot about strangers that you don't know who they are, you'll probably never meet them mm-hmm. and they'll probably never know who you you are, you know, they'll probably never reach out. Yeah. And like I kind of like that where it's like I feel like as musicians we spend a lot of time on the stage trying to get people to invest in our emotions, you know. It's like but being able to from behind the scenes invest into their story and their emotions and then just give it to them. And it's just like something I'm, it's not part of like, I'm not going to go and try to promote this. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going on tour being like, I wrote this song for these people's wedding and I hope you really like it. You yeah. Know? It's kind of like a gift, you know, it is. Yeah. And like, I feel like people don't really see the value in art that is like, I think song is a super valuable thing for people and people don't understand how valuable it is you know Mm -hmm. i feel like it's something that it's like yeah well that sounds fun you're like well we'll we'll get a song like that it's like but it's like it takes your creativity to really dial it in and that's something that you're not you can usually can't just buy somebody's brain yeah yeah so that's something i really like about it but it's also sometimes i get really frustrated with
1: yeah there's there's a different side to it now, while I have those emotional experiences i also I can't say that I enjoy the the di- like associating discipline with songwriting because I want songwriting to be very free and very impulsive and very like personal you know yeah. I, I do want it to stay about me and my mind usually, so doing songfinch feels like a bit of a creative sacrifice in some mm-hmm. ways, I will admit though it's worthwhile to me. It's like the positivity outweighs that sacrifice mm-hmm. but I don't want to practice too much like commission songwriting. Uh yeah. or or like I mean, even even maybe if I lived in Nashville I would feel differently about this. But I don't go into recording projects of my own thinking like, Okay, I need to design this thing like how an album would be out. I, I need like a, a fast song, a slow song, a happy yeah. song, a sad song. I don't do that at all. My my shit is like I want it to be like I take, like, I let my psychology and my problems kind of create themselves into rhymes. Mm -hmm. And I I don't want it to be more organized than that. So it's, it's sometimes it's a little bit of a, I don't want it to sound bad because I do, I fuck with Sound Finch as a company. I think they're super fucking cool. I'm not, I'm not begrudging the fact that I'm doing this, but. It's just that I don't want to lean wholeheartedly into associating that, cra- that disciplinary craft, you know, with, uh, not disciplinary, but that the discipline associated with a craft within my songwriting too much.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's something that I, I mean, I've done a lot of songs for song Finch and it was like, there was a, a period there where it was like doing multiple, multiple a week, you know, and it was like the full custom one. So it's like a fresh, a hundred percent, fresh song fully produced in a couple of days, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that was like, it got me really good at making tracks and developing my own like sound, you know, it's like getting the best sounds out of what I have, you know? Yeah. And and learning how to just kind of just be like, okay, this is the time that I just need to make this happen. And I, I still being creative with it, you know, it's like the making the the rhymes out of what people give you is like, ever since the beginning, they're like, it's like Mad Libs, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, these are drive Mad Libs, more like <laughs> it, you know? Because, like, sometimes you're just like, I have no idea how to make this sound interesting, yeah. you know? It's like, we met at a bowling alley, he bought me LITs and Oreos, and I knew he was mine, and it was like, I'm going to try to make this sound sentimental, uh-huh. you know? it's like Yes, it's, I know. <laughs> but yes. it's just like, I think that's something also that, separates a non-musician's mind from a musician's or a songwriter's mind from a non-songwriter's mind is like things that we think is going are going to be impactful for people is way different than what like my aunt thinks is going to be impactful it's just like you know what you should really write a song about a crystal ball you know it's Mm -hmm. like sounds cool you know it's like but I I have a different view of what that's going to be cinematically in my mind. Cinematically know? is the right word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause that's why like with music, like I, I have a very cinematic mind around it. Like whenever I'm writing, it's like, I like writing when I'm way tired late at night. So like that critic isn't really there. It's just kind of like, whatever's going to pop into my mind is going to pop into my mind. Yeah. It's like, and that's my like personal music. It's like, learning how to separate the all right i gotta get this done because like this is a commission and then like i'm gonna write for me it's just like all right i have my time where i'm just gonna write in the middle of the night like a lot of times when i get done bartending at night and i come home and i have to unwind that's like prime time writing for Mm -hmm. me because i'm just gonna sit there and space out for a while trying to come down from like being super stressed all night but yeah
1: yeah uh I think we probably have a lot in common there about like about that about first letting it be like letting it flow that way without being critical of it for yeah. personal writing and uh, and yeah like uh, the the whatever the the freedom that that is within that approach to it and like when you say cinematic I think of it as like visual and narrative mm-hmm. like that's I think what I'm hearing when it, cause, and that's that's definitely how I approach things. Uh, with my own songs and and songfinch and commissioned songs definitely goes against that in a lot of ways because you have to, it's all about like it's not that there isn't a narrative but you know with pure narratives you can take those as far as you have to to tell yeah. a story with these it's a it's a micro narrative it's like it's a window into one time period and a very specific feeling related to all that which is usually positivity instead mm-hmm. of like and I I also find in my songs. There's usually like a conflict in them. Yeah. There's usually like, like, uh, there's usually like this identifying some kind of feeling that I either wanna have or used to have and what it is that it's up against. Yeah. And like trying, like letting those things duke it out a little bit. And there's always like, there's always like negative and positive in my songs. Songfinch songs, you know, you can't have negative positive. shit in there. It has well, to be sometimes,
0: positive. Sometimes people want like I've written like a breakup song form before. Really? Yeah. Oh god, I never I, even thought of that. I get I get a lot of like <laughs> I I would get a lot of the off the wall ones cuz they're like we don't really know what to do with this one. Do you think you could make it happen? Mm. You know, I'm like, yeah, I got you. You know, I like that type of challenge and like there was like a pod in the beginning they were reaching out to a bunch of podcasts and so like i was writing songs for podcasts like uh-huh. uh and there was one where it was two girls one ghost podcast um i still love that one and i wrote them this banger like i wrote him a banger
1: yeah
0: um because they said that they had like a ghost that was haunting their podcast so i i wrote about that that's fun and then, like, submitted it. They loved it. And then I told them, like, my house is haunted. Like, my house is definitely haunted. And <laughs> I told them all about it. And they put my story on the podcast and everything. And, like, I like doing off-the-wall stuff with music a lot. Yeah. And, because it's it's so easy to just be a songwriter, you know? I, like, I
1: mean, I wish I was getting some of those, because that sounds like an interesting challenge. The most challenging one I've had from Songfinch was, like, somebody – i don't know uh somebody i told brian about this last week it was like i wrote this song i never got any feedback about it and then like the next email that Songfinch sent out to us as creators was like hey guys um i just wanted to like be encouraging because sometimes (laughs) clients just can't be happy and like that's you know it's just sometimes they aren't happy with stuff and it's okay and I was like, I wonder if that was my song. <laughs> was that me? Because and, and the song, the detail he wanted, I can't for the life of me remember what country, but he wanted, he was like, we took this trip to this country, and it was like a Baltic, oh, Baltic, Bolic Baltic, Baltic. It was one of those countries that sounds horrible to say and yeah. doesn't rhyme with anything. Oh, yeah. So it was like the song would have been like, and we went to Schlachtoff. <laughs> <laughs> I can't put that in a song. Are yeah. you kidding me?
0: Uh, Trying to, the pronunciations (laughs) are very tricky when doing that type of stuff. Yeah. And even like, like there's people's names sometimes. It's like, I have no idea how to say this, so I'm just going to guess and then. Wait for the feedback saying that's absolutely wrong and wait for yeah. them to phonetically write it out, you know, because sometimes to mention there's will. ugly
1: names, you know, yeah, like Bo, <laughs> 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 like what if you, if you like had to sing the name Harriet sentimentally in a song, Hey, I could do it. It's going to sound like Harry at first. Yeah. But then you just sprinkle on that. it, it. after <laughs> Harry, <laughs> you know, just give him a little, little spice at the end. Oh, Songfinch is a weird thing. So <laughs> <Sure> <laughs> to tell me about this ghost. If is, Can you tell me about this? Ghost? Oh yeah. Yeah. So,
0: um, so I bought this house when I was in college, moved in and then, um, I was hanging out there one day with a buddy and like my kitchen is attached. Like there's a doorway that goes into, like I have my living room, but there's a doorway that goes into the kitchen and then there's a hallway that goes down to the rooms mm-hmm. and, we were sitting there and he saw somebody walk by we're like, huh? And so we looked and nobody was there, sat back down, saw him walk back by and he just left. And I was like, awesome. So then, uh, later on, same, like everything's kind of coming from this room. That's right across from our room. Like we have like our master bedroom and then across the hall is like this other room and that's the ghost room. Mm. And, uh, one day, so I had a friend, a roommate that was living in there, and one day he, like, got up to, like, leave, get out of his room, and the door pulled shut, and, like, he, like, couldn't open it. He thought it was me messing with him. So he, like, hides in this closet and, like, sits in there for, like, five minutes waiting for me to come in so he could try and scare me. And then never came in, and then he went back and opened the door right up, and then nobody was home, and so he told me about that. And then we had a friend staying over in that room and he woke up in the morning and looked up like he had glasses cause he had terrible eyesight. He like looked up and saw, he thought it was our roommate standing there and he was like, what are you doing? What like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then he like reaches over, puts on his glasses and the person's gone. And so that's a, another experience. And then when we moved back, it was this was i didn't tell my wife about all these stories either like before moving back in mm. and so like everybody has described this guy as like kind of like middle-aged brown hair kind of bowl cut almost like guy that they keep seeing and so we moved back in and she told me she was like yeah i had this weird dream that like i woke up and went into the room across the hall and there was this guy that Like, I thought it was you for a second, but then he just had, like, this weird, like, like, his hair was different, and I was like, was it brown hair? She was like, yeah. I was like, was it a middle-aged guy? She was like, yeah. She was like, how did you know? I was like, that's the ghost. (laughs) And she was like, no way. I was like, yeah, that's the one that everybody describes, and he's been pretty chill ever (laughs) since. Like, I've never really had a problem with him,
1: but everybody else sees him. I'm just, fascinated. Yeah. I uh, Ghost is one of those things that I definitely don't believe in by uh, persuasion, but I choose to entertain because it just makes life more flavorful, I oh, feel yeah. like. It's like, why would... It's so fun to imagine that maybe there's ghosts out there.
0: Yeah. Well, there's been... I mean, I haven't had... I'm, like, very superstitious. My mm. mom was, like, very very superstitious growing up. So I became very superstitious and like Ouija boards. No way. You're like, you can't do a Ouija board. One time my and in college, one of my roommates wanted to figure out who this person was. So they brought a Ouija board in and I said, no, no, we're not doing Ouija board. And then I came home one night and they were doing it. And so I took it threw it outside. And then I went in and got salt and went, did a, a circle of salt all around my house. Like ran around everybody's like, You're crazy. I was like, I'm crazy about not having angry like if if I can make something upset and it's gonna mess up my whole life, I'm not gonna try to do that. Yeah, like I'm very cautious on the paranormal side.
1: That is really interesting. Like, so when you say superstitious, what does that mean to you, I guess? Like does does that mean that you believe certain things or that you're concerned with certain things?
0: I, I guess it would be a healthy Fear, you know, it's like I, I, I it's a respect more of That's the paranormal, in a respect of the paranormal. You know, it's like there's I've had experiences with things, and it's just like I've, like, when I was a kid, living my grandparents live in Mississippi, like out in a bunch of it's like I don't know how many acres, but it's a pretty big plot of land and there's like old houses that are kind of broken down out there and they would always say it's the ghost house and Mm. like one time i went out and i got a book from it and i brought it back and then the next morning it was gone and it was back where it was i was Mm. like okay that's that's kind of weird because nobody nobody in the family like i asked everybody i was like who put this back and everybody was like nobody nobody and Mm. i have it now like i i took it nobody's taken it back yet but just weird little thing. Like I've just be, always been fascinated with the paranormal too. Yeah. Like Zach Baggins, a Ghost
1: Adventures, gets me every time. I don't, I don't, I don't think I know what that is. You've never watched Ghost Adventures? I don't think on so. the Travel Channel. Is that is that the? I remember around the time that no, I don't think it was the same show. Around the same time that like uh, like Pawn Stars and all that shit was yeah. kicking off and yeah. American Pickers. I remember there was a ghost show then that was like. That was kind of popular, but I don't yeah. know if that was what it was. That's definitely
0: ghost. Well, it, it's either Taps or it's Ghost Adventures. Okay, Ghost Adventures, I love because it's like a bunch of bros, like <laughs> just be like bro, bro, did you hear that? <laughs> and then like the host of it is like super aggressive towards the spirits. <laughs> he's like very big on like taunting them to do something. He's like, come on, show me here. if you're real. Come on, take me. You know, and then he's like goes to these like. <laughs> I feel real crazy right now. Y'all, just give me a second. You know, it's like, it's like, all right. I I don't believe half of this, but I respect it. You know, that's the the healthy respect. You know, yeah. it's like it's maybe all for show, but I respect it. Yeah, like just exorcisms and stuff like that. It's like I don't want to be part of that. I don't I don't want to have anything
1: like that bad juju on me. You know, man, yeah. There's like, I don't know what to do with it. There's like, such a long, not 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 only is there such a long history of people making claims of this sort. There's also so many apparent, like so many so many claimed eyewitness accounts of things of this sort, and, and then there's like, you could you could interpret that. I mean you can interpret that a lot of different ways just like there's a, you know people can claim to see all sorts of things but then there's like then there's a then there's people who per try to perform exorcisms and like the fucking the evidence from those like the like the audio the audio recordings from yeah. exorcisms and shit that's just like it it's just all i can say without being an active without being a persuaded believer of any of these things is that like at least all of these pieces together feels interesting mm-hmm. and like somewhat compelling <laughs> in yeah. some kind of way i'm like very i'm I, i'm like very skeptical uh, i i was like a hardcore atheist for a, for a long time that was yeah. just like rationality only and everything is only physical in the brain that's the only things that matter yeah and uh you know, so there's that part of me still that, like, laughs off anything that sounds old-fashioned or far-fetched or superstitious or whatever. Yeah. But, like, there's this other part of me that's very silent sometimes. It's like, you know, it could be for a good reason. Yeah. I got, what was it, that really, Dan
0: Brown. So, like, I love Dan Brown's books. But he has one called The Lost Symbol. Um, And they just made it a TV show. Um, As well, but I read that book and it changed my life, like put me on a different path. I feel like really because I mean, I was always really into kind of like tarot cards and fortune tellers and stuff like that. But I'd never learned about like I'd never heard of metaphysics, Mm. you know, it's like metaphysical sciences and everything and that book got me kind of like on this track of like learning more and more about that and then like mason like the like freemasons and then like all the esoteric stuff connected with that like i'm really big into esoteric stuff
1: mm. like
0: cuz there's been there's been different thoughts about what the brain is and consciousness is for thousands of years you know it's like and we i feel like in today's day and age like it's very straightforward you know it's like there's there's science that is like this is no this is why you're happy this is why you're sad you know but back in the day they're like oh it's because you have too much of a bile inside of you you need to go ahead and get some leeches to suck out this blood and drink this tincture you know it's mm-hmm. like the sciences of like the mind that have developed over the just millennia, you know, it's like back in the day they're like, "Oh no, it's it's a ghost haunting your brain." You know, it's like there's all kinds of different things like that. Yeah. But then it, getting further into like the esoteric and metaphysical world, it's like more about developing yourself, you know. It's like
1: when I what I understand about esoteric is is understood by few. Is that the same definition that you're using?
0: Um, esoteric is yeah. I'm talking more like, um, like there's, there's, I'm trying to think like the golden dawn, like through the ages, there's been like magicians, you know, it's like not your M-A-G-I-C, it's the M-I-G-I-C-K, you know, it's like the Aleister Crowley's and all that kind of stuff. Okay. But, but not going straight into that. I, I'm more into the like alchemy side. Okay. So like alchemy, everybody thought it was like when you hear alchemy, do you think turning lead into gold. Right. But really underneath all of that, it's like the philosophy of like turning your soul is lead. That's the base metal you're working with. And you're trying to turn your soul into gold to like purify yourself, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's just like just listening. I read I listen to a lot of audio books when I'm welding. And it's just, like, listening to that kind of stuff, just trying to, like, it's all about enhancing yourself, like, getting to the purest, most, like, the truest self you can be. And I feel like that's something growing older has been very big because, like, I had a really bad alcohol addiction and then stopped and then, like, just this growing period of, like, learning my relationship with vices, you know, Mm -hmm. and... Cause like my music's always been like, that was what I was just, it was like a diary of like my problems for a long time. And then I started changing into this new narrative about like, like I got really into the esoteric stuff and it was more about like looking inside, like shadow work, like doing all this stuff where it's trying to make yourself a better person, but not just for yourself, but being a better like receptor for life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, because you can write about relationships all day long, but building them and writing about building relationships or like building friendships, you know, it's like, I like that aspect of humanity instead of just like, Oh, well, she broke my heart Mm -hmm. and she took my car. Dang it. You know, it's like, I would much rather just like, like the new record we're putting out. It's a lot of it's like learning. It's called fool's journey. And So if you go into like tarot cards, the first 22 of the tarot cards are what's called the fool's journey or some other people like it's also known as the hero's journey. Like Mm -hmm. you'll hear in like film and like TV and life, you know, the the hero's journey you go through and you meet all these different characters. So like if you're looking through the tarot card, that's like the progression of people that you meet until you get to the end and start all over again. You know, it's like this cycle that you go through. And a lot of these songs are kind of, like, learning periods of, like, encountering different manifestations of life, you know. But that's just a very complicated way of being, like, learning my, like, growing pains, you know.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I'm so relieved to find out how many more people are fucking with the same stuff that I am in in different ways, you know. Like, uh, But still, you know, I'm, I'm relieved because so, sometimes in a super individualistic you know lifestyle it's you know you're just not you're mainly just like me i i try to practice like hardcore individualism and stuff in in a particular way and part of the reason is because i feel like so many people are like trapped in uh basically what i think of as the opposite of everything you just described like yeah. like uh kind of instead of going on this Personal journey of discovering all these shadows and I stuff. Gotta be in this journey, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, no. and like, like, well, I mean, some ju- like, oh God, I hate. <laughs> like, it's just that it it turns into like political affiliation so yeah. much and stuff, and like that's the big distraction from the real shit that you can do inside your own psychology to iron some shit out. You know,
0: Well I feel like we're bred bred to that's getting bred out of us. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the self reflection. It doesn't matter anymore. It's like I. Everybody's putting their entire life on the internet Hoping that people like it, you Mm -hmm. know And so like we've been kind of led down this road of like Oh, this is what you do to become famous, you know It's like this is what you got to do to get your name out there, you know And you got to do it every day You got to make sure you go and like all these posts And you want to leave comments You want to follow X amount of people every day And then make sure you're on this other platform Where you're doing all this different stuff But don't talk about yourself, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. just follow what people are doing, you know, just follow the road. Here's the roadmap. Just follow that roadmap instead of making your own path, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's what's, what's kind of suffering in the world of like genuine, genuine creativity, you know, as being stifled, like
1: a hundred percent agree. It's
0: just like, can you be creative recreating what this person created from this person that created it for them? You know, it's like, that's what kind of is today. And I
1: hate it but i totally agree i mean that's like the that's that's kind of what i think uh, a lot of the the social media forms it like uh like it's it's also true that a lot of people because of social media are engaging in some level of creativity mm. but i think what you just described sounds like it's like engaging at the the most basic surface level of creativity which yeah. is just like impulsive reaction to somebody else's Words And it's like, it's a little uniform. It's mm. a little like we're all doing the same thing. We're all interacting in the same way. And the humor is starting to all look the same and stuff. Yeah. And as far as deep, like what's deep creativity, like the depths that some brilliant, brilliant minds have reached throughout our time as a species. That's not what is being celebrated right yeah, now. It's not solvable. Yeah, not,
0: it's it's just, it's just like, no, that's different we need the same you know it's like <laughs> that, that that's cool though but we're not going to push that
1: when you were talking about shadow and and tarot tarot tarot, tarot cards mm-hmm. and stuff uh a thought came to my mind which is like again a, a, another i guess rationale for looking at life that way compared to looking at life in a materialistic kind of way because it's like that narrative way of looking at yourself, that narrative way of looking at different potentials you have. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like your, maybe your chosen language for all that may be a little bit more in line with maybe alchemy, maybe, maybe, uh, uh, supernatural stuff. I don't know. But, um, even on a more mine, I, I, maybe mine is more mythological the, the stuff I tend to, um, connect with more, but, there seems to be some real benefit to organizing your path according to understanding like maybe the relationship between what it means to be uh like p- pursuing the mindset of the hero's journey or the fool's journey as opposed to like the fucking tyrannical the tyrannical underlord or whatever yeah. like and I guess I don't think it's a bad thing to have language for that especially cuz it's so Interesting and culturally rich and stuff compared to not, you know. Yeah. But it feels like a lot of people don't fuck with that. I I guess that's what that's where I started talking was like I'm surprised when I meet people who do fuck with that language. Yeah. Because I I feel like the majority of people that I know probably don't fuck with that language so much unless they do it through Christianity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's like I was never really like our family. We never went to church and all that, and they were like when I was a teenager, like, yeah, you can decide what religion you are, you know? And I was like, I'm going to be a Buddhist, you Mm. know? And, and then I didn't become a Buddhist, but you know, it's like, I I've explored, I love religion, you know, it's like, I love reading all the different types of religion and like the stories behind them. You know, it's like the Bible. When I was in college, I took analytical study of the Bible Mm. and it's just like breaking down like the stories and like the different themes and, you know, just like, where, what they're really saying, what this could be inferring to, you know. because I was a huge myth, like, mythology. Like, you're talking about, it's like, Greek and Roman. Like, I love all the myths, and there's all, like, have you... So, you know Tom DeLonge from Blink-182? Mm-hmm. yeah. He's got these books out called Secret Machines, um, Gods, and it's about breaking down how, like the roman and greek mythology is actually extraterrestrial intervention mm. and it's the, that's like this big disclosure that they're trying to do is like tell people it's like no no it's been aliens all along it's aliens you know it's like, i'm all about aliens mm. and like learning about extraterrestrial like even how crazy it can be you know sometimes have you ever heard of cory good might get banned for saying this, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't I don't know if that name rings a bell. Oh, man, you're missing out. Yeah. Uh, We went down a real hardcore rabbit hole. Um, There's a uh, have you heard of Gaia TV? I don't think. Oh, man. What? Why? Why why is this controversial? Oh, man. So (laughs) it's controversial because it's. It's talking about a secret space program Like mm. he was take, He was recruited when he was a kid He was in it for like 20 years He was used as a, It's because he was an empath
1: Wait th- oh, Never mind Go ahead Go ahead So
0: they would use these kids To interface with With aliens To like tell if they're lying Because the kids would get a bad feeling If these aliens were like Not telling the truth uh. And he's just talking about like how there's like these bird aliens that are in orbs that are surrounding the earth. And like, it's just like, it goes so crazy, you know, it's like, it's like a whole new history of the world, mm. you know, it's like, and I just ate it up, you know, <laughs> I'll just sit there and listen for hours. Yeah. Then. Cause I'm just like, yeah, that could be true. You know, that'd be, that'd be cool. That'd be a cool reality to live in, mm-hmm. you know? Cause I feel like every day you wake up in a different reality and some days I just want to wake up in a bird alien universe, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, there's so like, that's like a, a new hip thing these days is being an alien person. It's like, yes, no, I, I talk to the aliens and they tell me, you know, that's when I was in LA, I go to see the psychic like every, every week. I would go and yeah. I would I was <laughs> spending too much money on sitting down for a half an hour and and she would tell me different things and one time I got a guy and he was like, When you're songwriting, you know you're channeling, right? And I was like, What do you talk about? He's like, You're a channeler and I was like, What does that mean? And he was <laughs> like, So when you're writing it feels like you're not writing the song, right? I was like, Yeah, you know, just kind of pops in. Sometimes he's like, that's channeling. You're connecting to a different plane and they're feeding you the music. And so a lot of my career, I've just been like, I'm into that. I'm going to believe that. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to, I'm just going to roll with, I'm going to channel a song tonight. I'm not going to write a song. I'm just going to let it come to me. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think believing that definitely helps. Yeah. And it's like, it, there is a question of like, whether or not it matters. if Uh, and I, there's this part of me that is really reluctant to say this because I think truth is like my highest value period. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's the thing I believe in. And there's different ways to measure it. And uh, what one argument to be made is if truth, truth can be defined as facts. Truth can also be defined as something that brings about the behavior that you want it to bring about. Mm-hmm. so, there's a pragmatic argument to be made that like by believing that what you're doing is channeling this voice that needs to be expressed. If that, if that makes you write songs that you're happy with, maybe that's true enough to function.
0: Well, and I feel like it's more of channeling your subconscious, you know, it's like there's a a whole side of your mind that people, You know, uh, most people don't learn about their subconscious mind. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like that's not something you just sit down. It's like, okay, y'all, today we're going to talk about subconscious versus conscious mind and how to tap into your subconscious mind. You know, no one ever really learns how to dive into their subconscious mind. Very few
1: people want to even look at it. Yeah.
0: But I mean it's working harder than your conscious mind and it's always on and it's always there and it's, it sees more than you do and it knows more than you do, you know? And like tapping into that, it's like that whole aspect of, you know, humans only use 10% of their brain. It's like, yeah, but you can use, like, I feel like that subconscious side is a huge part that just, we need to unlock more of. And I, I spent a lot of time trying to, live in or to connect with it you know yeah. like I feel like that's the channel that I set up as like okay what do I what am I really feeling and like really listening to yourself and just spending time to just zone out and be receptive to whatever's gonna happen yeah because I'd get inspired a lot of times like sometimes I'll get a melody in my head and I'll work from there sometimes it'll just be like like I wrote a song one time where I didn't want to, I was, I didn't want to go buy another pack of cigarettes, but I had a bunch of half smoked cigarettes like out on the back porch. And it was just like chain smoke and half smoked cigarettes, mm. you know? And that was like, that's a song we've got to write that, you know? <laughs> and it's just, it, I don't know being, it's a creative playfulness that you got to have with yourself, you know? Yes. And I feel like people are always like, how do you, how do you write a song It's like I don't know It just happens Yeah and It's
1: just But you gotta let it happen Playfulness though I think is the right word And I think uh, So you know I I, I had this I, I, I have been through shifts I guess uh, At different stages And sometimes Sometimes I do find it hard To get back into that playfulness And I think that's What sometimes we call Writer's block or whatever mm-hmm. um, And for me When it gets too serious That tends to be the thing I tend to stagnate And a buddy of mine told me once, like, I was like, yeah, I can't write anything. I can't write anything. And throughout the conversation, this older, wiser buddy of mine was like, yeah, songwriters just give themselves too much personal credit for Mm -hmm. the things they write. It's just like, most of it's accidental. Most of it's like, you don't, you didn't even do it. Your brain, you just, you just said things. And I'm like, you're right. And then like that, that night. I was able to start writing again. And I think it was like that idea of not giving myself credit for like being some kind of creative fucking genius, genius yeah. and pioneer and stuff. It was like, yeah, that doesn't need to be there. Just fucking play with poetry. Yeah. And so, and that reopened the door. And that's probably happened a few times in my life. Playfulness in, in creativity is, I think, I mean, I can't think of anything maybe more significant to it than yeah. than pl- the willingness to adventure in that way.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, I mean me, myself included, it's there's a lot of fear that comes with songwriting, you know, because there's like you're judging yourself, you're afraid of like what other people are going to judge it as. These are all like steps you have to overcome and just like let go. I like when I was younger. I was very, very hypercritical and always worried about what people are gonna think, you know. And like these days I'm like about to be thirty five, super chilled, chilled out now. It's like if you don't like it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I do. I think it's fun. Yeah. You know, and especially since the reopening of the world, you know, it's like people have been it was like a super high receptivity of music and then now it's like it's like everybody's so distracted about oh, yeah. everything these days and it's fine you know it's like i'm i'm not very hopeful about the touring aspect of stuff but i am very hopeful about the aspect of just creating a lot more and putting it out and just letting it live there you know and Not focusing so hard on like Okay we're gonna do an album We're gonna go tour for three months straight We're gonna do all the PR You know It's like We're just gonna put stuff out And play gigs that we like to play And if somebody Like if we jump up to Like another level of going And like doing bigger shows Like that's cool But like right now It's just It's hard to get people to go out Into the world anyway Yeah And then it's hard to It's hard to get people to stay focused You know and it's just something that I'm not really. I'm not worried about making it my job to make people focus and care. You know, it's like I I care, and if you want to care, that's cool. But if not, there's gonna be people that will enjoy it. You know, and that's why we started a beer review show. You know, because like when COVID was over, well, it when COVID lifted up a little bit, uh, we just started playing breweries because like that was like the outdoor gigs where it's like. You can go and just kind of chill out. Mm-hmm. And so like we played just tons of breweries and then we, as a joke, we hit up Odin and we're like, Hey, that tapper manager, we're like, you should make a beer called Chuck Mountain Dew because that would be hilarious. And he was like, that's a great name. We should do it. And then they ended up doing a beer called Chuck Mountain Dew. That's awesome. And so we're like, man, like this beer aspect, like we all like beer like i stopped drinking and then i started drinking just craft beers like i'll have like one or two mm-hmm. you know and it's just like a way that i can still have a relationship with alcohol but not like i can't do liquor because there's not an off switch but i can get full off of like two beers and mm-hmm. like that's not going to push me into like crazy man mode you yeah know? and so it's like a healthier relationship with it but we're just all passionate about beer and playing breweries because, like, there's a, a different vibe when you play at a brewery than like a show. You know, it's like if a venue. It's like at a venue, like everybody's, everybody's there. They want to hear some music. They want to hear the story. But at a brewery, it's like you'll get people like sporadically that mm. are like, "Hey, I like that," you know. And it's just like you're not the main attraction. You're not why they're there, but you get to hang out, drink beers and play music and do what you like to do. And I like it. It's fun, but it's, it's just kind of shown how the attention span of people is these days.
1: Yeah. So I think that it's like just between me and you and everybody that (laughs) (laughs) keep this between us. Uh, I just, uh, I think it feels weird to say, and I haven't thought this through all the way, but I think, uh for some reason i have this suspicion lately that culturally we're just in a dip mm. in and i i think like music isn't the forefront of how of how the necessary stories get told right now uh and not that it couldn't possibly be but like i i keep having this suspicion that because things are so serious and like it like m- like the th- the threat, everything is so serious and threatening. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like that's why I I'm noticing. I feel like people's attention to comedians is bigger and bigger and bigger, and I feel like it's their time right now. Yeah, and, and I feel like as as things stabilize, it might become time for music again eventually. But I I honestly feel right now like music the role that it usually plays in life is kind of, like, on pause right now. Yeah. Um, and and I think it's okay, and I think it's great that, like, people like you and, and myself and other artists are still doing our thing and finding a way to, like, in Winston right now, the thing is, like, fuck it. If there's not an audience for this, we'll do it together. We'll just, like, do music things together as musicians and have a community rather than a sort of, like, artist Versus audience kind of thing yeah. And uh, and I think that's fucking cool You know, to yeah. do that instead And I think it'll come back around eventually But, so, before I forget What is your, so how can people check out this show? I want to check out this show, the beer show uh,
0: Brews Rock Um, it, It's on our YouTube channel And our Facebook page So, if you go to Just search Chuck Mountain on YouTube Or go to our Facebook page We have a whole playlist of them We only have two episodes out right now, but this next week, we're Tuesday. There'll be one coming out for St. Patty's Day. Very cool, which is <laughs> very. silly. I mean, it's just like a fun time for us to sit and drink beers and talk about it. There's nothing informational on the show. It's just like a bunch of guys hanging out and reacting to different beers. Yeah, you know? I think it's great. It's like because there's tons of cicerones out there. We're not cicerones. We're just guys drinking beer. Yeah, and just talk about it. And we're gonna start like moving into because we've been doing breweries that we go and play a show at like after it's released and now we're going to be focusing more on just because my dad has a beer sh- beer and wine shop down in Fuquay so like me and him talk beer all the time and there's so many beers out these days mm-hmm. like there's so many breweries there's so many different types of beer and it's like a renaissance for art because like all the cans like the ca- I don't think people understand how many different artists are working on beer right Mm -hmm. now because like every brewery has the different style of art that they put on their cans. And then there's like collaborations and there's just like, there's a lot of really cool stuff happening in the art world with beer. And even like with music too, you know, there's a bunch of musicians that have beers. There's like Iron Maiden, they, they kind of set the pace back in, I don't know when their beer must come out. Must have been in like 2015. Maybe they like came out with the trooper and it is a interesting beer. Hmm. But I mean, there's, we're moving into more themes instead. It's like, it's like one week we're going to do like extraterrestrial beers, you know, yeah. it's like, cause there's like all kinds of different, like dissolver up in um, Asheville. They they're like very alien themed but it's just like, you know, just having fun, trying different stuff. Because half of the beers we're never going to have tried. You yeah. Know? It's like I like reacting to just blind react to this random beer. You know, it's like I want to do an episode where it's like we cut the labels off. Like my wife will cut all the labels off. We don't even know what it is. We have to try it and figure out if we can figure out what kind of beer it is, maybe what brewery, any mm. kind of flavors. Cause like right now our kind of staples are what do you taste, would you drink it again, where would you be if you were drinking this, and would you make it into a candle? Mm. And <laughs> there's not there's been quite a few that are not candle approved, but there's a couple that are candle approved. That's funny, man. What is what is your uh, kind of go to beer? My go to beer. I'm really big into like the double IPAs these mm. days because like I don't really like hops, but. When you get a double IPA, it takes the hoppiness down, like, immensely, and they're just super smooth, and I can usually just have one and just be like, okay, I'm good for, yeah." like, I don't need another beer. It fills you up.
1: They're delicious, too. They're so good. Yeah.
0: I like just the New England style. Like, uh-huh. just, I like hazy IPAs. I, yeah. I used to hate IPAs, and then I started drinking, like, the, just, like, the craft beer IPAs instead of just like you're like Sierra Nevada mm-hmm. extra pale IPA you know <laughs> it's yeah. just like like super bitter like I'm it's not, all I like right there yeah, yeah. well and it's funny because like we've been drinking pretty much nothing but IPAs for a while like as a band mm-hmm. just because we're always like yeah we'll just get the IPA it's fine <laughs> and we did Odin's like we did the the bruise rock for Odin's beer and we, one of them was this Blondale. ale and we like tried it where it's like this is awesome like <laughs> what have we been doing we've been just like drinking these like crazy intense ipas and like this is like one you could just drink it's very very sippable you know it's yeah like you can sit out and like have a couple of them instead of it's just like i'm gonna make it through this
1: one and that's yeah. it you know <laughs> i don't know why but red is like I, so I don't know if this opinion is informed by this or not, but red is like my fucking the color of like my soul or something. I don't know why it just possesses me in some way, and and it just so happens that red ales tend to be one Your of my faves. one of my favorite things, and uh, and I've had a few red IPAs too, and and in both cases they just have this this odd bitterness that I find really I find really palatable, yeah. but it could also be that my brain is giving it giving it some. Extra love Some extra love Just because it, Because the word <laughs> red like is Red in. is in there Yeah
0: Yeah blue Blue beers I'm all about it
1: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Is blue your
0: color uh, Blue's my color mm. Blue's my color And you're kind of dawning blue it looks like Oh yeah And some cat here mm. Yeah um, Yeah I I wish there was blue beers I, There's I, bound I, to be There's Yeah there's definitely There's sweet water blue But it's not really blue There's blood Bud platinum Oh man <laughs> I, I have not tried the Bud Light Platinum, but I, I should. Oh. Because they just have... We're going to do an episode where it's just like crap beer. It's like <laughs> you're like worst of the worst. And just try to find like like Keystone Light. Have you ever had a Keystone Light? Keystone <laughs> Light? I don't think so. Oh, man. I played a I played a gig one time like out in California. It was like way up in North California somewhere. But I stayed on this ranch and like in the morning... They woke me up at like 8 30 and they're like all right meet us out at the horseshoes pit and i was like okay like get up <laughs> go out there and they're like all right we're gonna play some horseshoes and then his wife comes out with a case of keystone light and some boar sausage that they'd made from a boar they killed the day before uh. and they're like here's breakfast <laughs> and i was like keystone light and some boar sausage i could get used to this where did yeah. you say this was it was in california california I, it was, like, right outside of Monterey, um, but it was so funny because I was just, like, I was not expecting Keystone Light to be that good, especially at 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. And I was, like, this is actually a really refreshing beer. Like, it, it it's the flavor's not too in your face. Like, it's a, it's a very water beer. Yeah. Like, it's a hydrating beer.
1: I don't think I've ever had a beer in the morning. As much as it, it seems like that's something you have to do at some point to, like, <laughs> yeah, ha- yeah, fix to get a over or something. But I don't think I've ever done it.
0: Yeah. I, I That was probably one of the only times where I was just like, okay, well, I guess this is what we're doing today. <laughs> you know? It's <laughs> yeah. like if we're going to drink a couple Keystone Lights and
1: play some horseshoes, eat some sausage. Then yeah.
0: Go play another gig tonight. Yeah, do
1: it, man. Yeah. So tell me more. I, I We got to we got to something that I wanted to talk about and then like went back off into other stuff, which is fun. Uh, and I think probably my fault, but I want to know more about the album you were talking about, like this fool's journey thing.
0: So, okay. So we, we've been a band since I, so I moved back in like 2017. I started working at hops burgers, burger bar. Mm. And um, cause like we moved back and we just needed, needed a gig. So I was working there and then, Sammy, our drummer, was working in the kitchen. Like, he was a fry cook. And he was like, he's like, yeah, I play drums. I said, yeah, sure. You know, it's like, and I was very still coming off of like the Nashville vibe. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. But like, a big reason I came back here is to like try to help younger musicians like learn the craft and like getting out and playing, recording, you know. And so then I was like, he had bugged me about it for a couple weeks. So then I was like, okay, come on over. I'm going to throw my most intense music at you and let's see if you can keep up, Mm. you know? And it was a little rough at the beginning, but like he was like really dedicated, really wanted to play. So we just kept playing and like, he's gotten so much better from like the very beginning. And then we found, I was working at guitar center and I hired our bass player as an instructor there. And Mm. then he became our bass player and we've just kind of been working on becoming a band, you know, it's like, becoming better at playing with each other because i feel like a lot of people they just kind of put together a band and then put out an album and it's there you yeah know? so like the first couple of years we've been together we were recording at jeff's house because he had a studio in his house and just working through finding the sound and all that kind of stuff and then we went to earth tones and um have you ever worked with benji no i don't think so yeah uh, well, we went out there because we were like, let's just go get some bed tracks, then like maybe we'll build off of that. And went in planning on trying to get like three songs because we're like, we'll put out like an EP, mm-hmm. you know. And we went in and we've been we've been playing a bunch of these songs for years, you know, and we'd never recorded them. And so we went in and we knocked out like eight the first day. We're like, we should go do that again. And so then we knocked out like another seven or something like that. <laughs> and we just like bed tracks to kind of build off of, but it's like the most us that we've ever sounded recording. And we were planning on doing the an EP and then we were like, well, let's just do an album. Like, we'll ch- we got 15 songs. We're going to chop five of them, just find like the best, best songs out of the batch and then see what kind of store, like the lead one is called fool's journey. And it was just a song that I wrote over quarantine times. And it was just like more about it's about the fool's journey of like finding like you start down this path, trying to find the answers and you're asking all these people where the answers are. But really, you got to look inside. And then a lot of the songs that are on the album are going to be very internal, but like internal lessons, I guess, is what we'll say. Yeah. Um, But Some of them are just cycles you go through in life, you know. It's like there's ones from the heavy drinking days. There's ones from learning about yourself. There's ones from learning about relationships in your past that you just can't get over, you know. It's like there's just all these steps of growing, and then that's why we're just like, Fool's Journey would be a good name, and we'll just put all these stories down that hopefully it'll help people understand a little bit about, where we've come from and just like as a singer, where i've come from like all of the trials and tribulations mm-hmm. you know but i don't know it's just with this band it's been very kind of laid back until we got that beer just kind of kicked everything into gear we're like we got to do something now you know because it was we were just kind of doing it for fun and then everything just changed with that beer a good beer will do a lot
1: for you. With the you Chuck know. Mountain Dew? Chuck Mountain Dew, man. Yeah. I should have brought you one. Because ah. it's it's gone now. Well, damn. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, so, well, Charles and Tribulations and such. I mean, uh, this... Like, I've I've done two projects based on similar things. Like, two recording projects that... I would say... I mean, it changed my lifestyle for years writing about some of the stuff that you've been describing. Yeah. And I'm wondering how much of you it like took to go to these places to to like explore these things cuz it sounds like it it started it starts way back further than yeah. just when you met these guys and started this band
0: oh yeah no there's definitely like there's songs that like there's songs we laid down that i wrote like back in nashville you know it's like before even moving here cuz like i i wanted to I, I got signed as a singer-songwriter, Bo James, to a label out of um, San Diego. Mm. And they were, like, very pushing me to be just singer-songwriter, very folk, like, chill, sentimental songs, you know. And then I was, like, going through these really dark places at the same time, you know. It's like, I had a real bad problem with alcohol, but it was just, like, more of a, like it was like punishing myself for no reason, you mm-hmm. know. It's like, well, we're just going to go ahead and just keep getting super wasted, wake up the next day regretting everything and then do it all again, you know. It's like cuz that's the only way to fix it instead of just like it got to a point where I woke up the next morning I was just like I'm going to AA, went to AA for like a month and a half and then I was like I I think I got this. I'm a, like I have the willpower to just like not fiend for it, you know. And, yeah. like, just cutting out, because it was, like, beer, I could have a couple, you know. It's, like, but liquor, as soon as I touch it, it's, just like, never stops. It's, like, I'll go until somebody somebody stops me, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of these songs are through that dark period, and mm-hmm. then the narrative kind of shifts after I get out of it, you know. And, like, that's that fool's journey. as A lot of the time that I spent in Nashville and even L.A., it was, like, these... I was trying to prove myself to people, you know, and then this album's more of trying to prove to myself, that, like, what I've been searching for is I already have it, you know. You already know what you want in life, you just have to accept it, you know. It's like you got to accept the path you want to go down instead of just search for it, you know. It's like, cause you can be like right now, the crazy busy schedule I'm, working you know it's like I'm spinning all these different things and everyone's like you're crazy it's like no but I'm accepting it you know it's like this is what I've accepted for myself and accepting yourself as a person is really hard to do until you kind of go through these dark places of like oh this is why I was doing this to myself this is why I had this viewpoint you know and it's just kind of this progression of stuff that you hear in the album you know
1: absolutely man I mean I'm I'm different parts of what you were talking about gave me some version of chills where I was just like, fuck, I know what, I know what you're talking about. And like, I, I remember this moment and and shit. And and like, uh, that it's just comforting in some way to like, I don't know, like, uh, relate to relate to that effort. Uh, and hear it expressed so similarly, I think to, to the way that I've like tried to been, been trying to navigate things particularly, this idea of accepting your vision for life i don't know why that is so hard anymore uh, yeah. and i don't know if it's because we're in our 30s or what it is but you know after after my i had a full-time job got laid off from that and since then i've like post covid i was able to identify what i can picture the life i want to have and it's really hard to accept that it's like all on me and my own kind of um ability to commit myself truly to that and and commit myself uh to the discipline necessary to achieve that and all of that uh to to go that road instead of going some road where i have a full time job and 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 make more make more money that way or whatever and have a more comfortable sort of guarantee of things and sacrifice Sacrifice other things to, to make that work. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's frustrating. It's, we, it's, it's, it's frustrating to be able to identify that and not always know how to make it right. Yeah. You know,
0: that's like, I feel like parents are a big part of that. You know, it's like uh, right now, like going back to do Songfinch, right? Um, I was like, hey, I'm going to get back in the Songfinch game. And my parents are like, well, what about welding? You know, it's like you just went to school and like I started a welding business, you know, it's like and I'm I'm like I can still do it like but it's I'm much more comfortable as a gig person, you know, it's like as a musician. It's like, OK, I got three gigs this week. Like that's the way my mind used to be, you know, it's like but everything I do now, I'm looking more as like a gig. It's like, OK, so I'm booked to play music two times this week. I've got three projects that I'm booked to do for welding. And then I've got f- some bar gigs. I'm looking at like looking at everything more as like a gig. And how many gigs can I do in a week to maximize like all the hours I have, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, cause I'm still married and I gotta, gotta spend time with my wife. But the fun thing is, is she's helping out with a lot of this stuff, you know, it's yeah. like she does all of our filming and it's just, been a lot more fun having her be part of like the band stuff, but I'm teaching her how to weld, and she's gonna start doing art projects. Really,
1: mm-hmm. that's badass.
0: Yeah, yeah, women in welding, yeah, is big these days. Really, that's yeah. a thing. Women are way better welders than men because they have a higher attention to detail. Uh, so, like a lot of like the aerospace jobs and just like TIG welding stuff that's like super intricate. Like women are way better at just because they have like when I was in school. And the last, like, bit, it was, like, the pipe welding, and it it was TIG pipe, super hard stuff to do, and there was a girl in her class, Holland, and she crushed it, and then even in all my classes, there was always, there was a girl, uh, Casey, she was, like, the best welder in the class, like, she'd outweld anybody Mm. you know and then Holland she was like hers compared to everybody else it's like super nice neat dimes stacked all the way around you know and it's hard to do that but it's so I'm teaching her because she she really wants to just make art projects for like lawn art and like wall art (laughs) and things like that and then I do more of the infrastructure type of stuff like doing bar faces and building like uh, shelving and all that kind of stuff for people. And cause I like that. I like going and just, it's definitely kept me in shape, yeah. like lifting heavy metal every day, you know? Uh, may not every single day, but, um, it's, it's nice to space it out. Cause I also have a terrible carpal tunnel. Mm. And like when I was in school, like I started working at the steel yard right when I started school. <laughs> so I was like lifting all this metal all day long, then going at night school, doing welding all night. And like, I got like two weeks into working at the steel yard and I like, couldn't, I couldn't open my hands. Cause mm-hmm. like I was, there was like gripping all day that like, I couldn't open them. So I quit the steel yard. And I was like, I got to keep doing welding. But like went through welding school, like with numb hands pretty much all the time mm. so it's like and music it's hard too because like we play these three-hour gigs and my hand will fall asleep half of the time you know and it's just like i ho- <laughs> hope i don't lose <laughs> this pick that i think i'm holding still might you have know? to super
1: glue it in there or something. Yeah. Yeah. i got
0: like a nice callus built up on the back of my finger just in case yeah um but it's yeah gigs like looking at everything more as a gig
1: that's yeah. I mean, I fuck with that. That's what I was doing until I started a new job last month. And and I, it very well could be that my boss would listen to this. I don't know if he will or not. But it's like I'm I'm grateful for that job and I'm doing it. But uh, it's it's really hard because I'm still doing a lot of different shit. You know, mm-hmm. I'm still doing a lot of different gig type work. And so I'm I'm having a really hard time because I do also prefer that. I prefer the spontaneity. I prefer the surprise and the sort of like the the activeness that it requires from my own mind to be like attentive to everything I have coming up yeah I don't like when it's just I'm just like coasting on kind of a really predictable path I I find for me as like I think as a I think as a creative person I think that I find that really soul-sucking and really like can cause me to go into depression and stuff
0: yeah well definitely like the depression aspect of just being stagnant Mm -hmm. is I feel like that is depression, you know, is just being stagnant and not knowing how to get out, you know, and I feel with me personally, it's like I've worked where it's like I have one job and then I have this fun thing that I do, you know, and that was like music was my fun thing. But this is where I make my money, you know, but looking at more as like, okay, here's. And here's my snapshot of a month. If I do X amount of these gigs and these gigs and these gigs, this is what it will add up to. And that's like way more than I was making at my one job. Yeah, you know? exactly. And we're in the kind of like our parents grew up and it was like, you have a career and you work at that job until you retire. And nowadays it's like, now everybody's gig minded, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like everybody's more used to like having more than one job. Like pretty much everyone I know has at least two jobs, you know, but it's, it's hard to stay focused on that when you have people like, I love my family, but they're just like, just like, why don't you just do one thing? Like just do make this your career. And it's like, I've already made a career of one thing, you know. It's like and I can I have room for more things to yeah. make a career. It's like my career is the collection of all the skills I have, you know. That's a career. Mm. That's a career isn't just working at the same job and retiring and being like, "Yep, this hat got it up my career." <laughs> you know. It's like I feel like everybody gets so worked up in words like career, you know. It's mm-hmm. like It's like life's work, you know, that's, I feel like life is work and you got to work hard if you want to live a good life, you know, but there's, there's tricks to it. You know, people know investing. I don't know that. Yeah, I want to get better at the financial side of life.
1: I want to fuck with that too. I mean, that seems like so many people, it, it just seems necessary to, to, to tap into that. And it seems like it's real stupid not to you know yeah. everybody who has their shit really together yeah. is doing it so <laughs> it seems like a sign
0: yeah maybe it's we'll go i i met an investment guy so i'll i'll clue you in on him yeah, like, yeah he's got some good ideas so
1: pass it along if you got something got a good a quick insight cuz i'm real i'm very uninformed about how all that shit works yeah. but anything anything you got coming up do you know when your album comes out uh, that that might be the best thing to to touch on,
0: so we're gonna put out
1: the lead single on May twentieth. Oh, okay, so that's um, good. This might be. No, we got we got time. So anyway, this will be out well well before then. Word, yeah, May May twentieth.
0: <laughs> uh, we're playing the Power and Sound revival that day, so it's a festival out in Eden. It's like a motorcycle band. Like it's gonna be a lot of fun. Very but cool. We we're trying to get a beer done for it. Like we're trying to do a Fool's Journey beer. To have at the festival um but definitely lead singles coming out then and then the album's going to be coming out we're shooting for october so just got to start the whole pr game after that
1: hell yeah so is it uh like what's the website www.chuckmountain.com <laughs> chuckmountain.com <laughs> yeah but, but yeah that's oh, cool that's where everything is well dude um i It was, it's, it's very fun for me to jump into a conversation like this. We and I hardly spoke at all before doing this. And never. It was so, (laughs) so so fun to like, little texted. Yeah. Like three emails and one and like two text messages. And it was super fun to like, uh, to jump into that conversation with you and like learn about you and shit. And, uh, and thank you for coming out to this house so you don't know what the hell you're walking into and all and,
0: and. Coming down the road, it was very interesting. <laughs> I missed it the first time, and I was like, oh, I'll wait until there's like a place I could turn off. And I was like, I guess I'm just turning into one of these driveways. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Was, uh, there was a tree down. Yeah. But did, yeah. Did, was that clear? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. cool. There was a
0: guy out there just chainsawing. I was like, I don't know if this is the right spot. But <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm on somebody's property. They're going to shoot the back of my car. It's fine.
1: Yeah, Uh, we are. uh, We shoot very few people out here, but
0: uh, (laughs) very few is still more than none.
1: No, no, uh, but yeah, that tree fell over during all the wind over the last few days. And I don't know if you can tell that I smell like gasoline, but oh, I smelled um, it when I came in. I was like, (laughs) yeah, somebody's been chainsawed. Indeed, yes. Thank you for uh, taking the risk and coming over and hanging out with me. Absolutely, thanks for having me. I guess we'll shut it down for today, but uh, we'll talk again.
0: All right. All right. Men to it.